Mason. Tell me you're, you're Mason. You're Mason, Mason Cameron. Yeah. You're uh, you're a reformed fella, right? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, the har- hardest reformed guy you'll ever meet. I can tell by the shirt. I can tell by the sunflowers. Yeah, yeah it, it really, you know, makes my personality come out because yeah. it's dead in, on the inside, but it appears bright. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's the most emo thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I hide my lack of personality behind my shirt, so, you know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this is this on? <laughs> so, uh, were you always reformed? Uh, you didn't you you didn't grow up Christian. No, I did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, both my parents were uh, drug addicts, so we just we had this vague idea of Christian. I, I grew up in a small town that like it's considered the quote unquote Christian town, Christian school, but it, I mean, it's cultural Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we had the f- sort of morals of Christianity, but clearly my parents didn't care about it. Um, yeah, I didn't care about it either. I mean, I went to vbs like twice when i was a kid and i got my tooth knocked out there and that was about the only thing i remember that's pretty hardcore yeah, what happened yeah. oh you know i was on the moon bounce <laughs> <laughs> and uh the guy that was running it they think the youth minister at the time like he was just playing around in there with us and ended up knocking out my tooth it was already like almost out anyway oh, okay. so it wasn't like he just like punched me in the face it was like oh crap I just knocked out this kid's too, so we gotta find it. Oh man! Yeah, so that was that was about my experience of VBS. That's yeah. all I remember. So um, why why do you think your parents took you to VBS just to get you out of the house? Probably. I mean, I think it was my grandma because that's where they went. Mm-hmm. Um, so your grandma was a Christian, or yeah, uh, she so was raised Church of Christ, and okay. and so my grandpa was a Baptist, so he took her to the Spicy. Baptist church there. Spicy. I know. <laughs> Uh, like she was, they were like hardcore church of Christ. Really? Um, what's, what's the deal with that? Like the only thing I've heard, I've heard people call it a cult and I'm always wary of anyone who throws the C word yeah. around too much, but, um, I've heard yeah. that like you have to be baptized church of Christ to be yes. saved. Yes. Is um, that one of the things? there at least like, I think there's a more liberal side to church of Christ that kind of doesn't believe that like they'll actually have instruments which is kind of reason why they're called the liberal side of Mm -hmm. church of christ um but her church is still in washington and she still attends there but i've talked to some of the pastors that have preached there and they do blatantly believe in a workspace salvation Mm -hmm. like i mean they outright told me like no you're justified by your works you know they use james 224 um and that's how they interpret the rest of the bible through that one verse is that Mm -hmm. um and so i had conversations with him and like we sent emails back and forth for probably about uh, two two or three weeks i sent him a 14 page email like discussing his questions and uh, yeah like i mean because i'm i was so like confused because this was like way after i had become a christian i was just like I can't believe that you would just flat out say you're justified by works, saved yeah. by works. I felt like that was the antithesis of what Christianity yeah. was. Isn't this like 101 stuff? <laughs> yeah. And so like, it was really, um, kind of eye opening. Um, but I don't know if that's just the broad range of church of Christ. Cause I think completely pigeonholing a whole denomination like into that is kind of hard. I mean like, cause most of the church of Christ don't hold confessions that's their thing. They're not known to be confessional. I mean, you got to remember church of Christ didn't really even want to use the term Trinity because it wasn't found in scripture blatantly. So they, they go off of like their individual churches, yeah. biblical interpretation and yeah. not so much any like, sort of dogmatic for the whole church of Christ. Yeah. I want to say that like they have a network of pastors and I think they have a lot of travel pastors that do it. Um, a lot of them are hardcore congregationalists. Like, I mean, that church there but they're hardcore in the sense of um like man i don't know how to word it per se but i mean like you know baptists are congregationalists but they also have that fact of they don't allow women to even pray or necessarily ask questions or speak during um services um i get it yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's like i don't like that at all actually um but that's the fact is like that's what she grew up in. And so I've had conversations with her, um, about Christianity as I got older. Uh, cause you know, like coming to reform theology, I was like, man, the, the Bible is clearly about grace. It's clearly about 
you know, Jesus saving wretched sinners who don't deserve it. And she said that, like, I just hope I have enough good works at the end of my life to be saved. And I'm like, that's not what it is. I, and I wanted to, and I tried to preach the gospel to her because I was like, that's not what Christianity is. You will never do enough. You can't do enough. And the Bible is so clear on this. And, but that's just what, yeah, that at least that church preaches a lot of. Well, I believed that when I was in Calvary Chapel, even though I knew it was wrong. Cause like just the, yeah. the, what do you call it? The environment just sort of bred that kind of thinking, even if they said differently. Yeah. You know, um, there were just weird things like, uh, someone went to jail in our church and they <laughs> said, uh, well, at least, you know, he's paying for his sins here oh, on wow. earth. And I'm like, so what? Like, yeah. even if he goes to heaven, like he's yeah. got to work some stuff out when he gets there. Like, what are you talking about? And yeah. Like, I just sort of internalized a lot of that without asking questions. And so, and you were yeah. like, yeah, they deserve jail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was probably some PS yeah. drug thing. Yeah. I <laughs> well, I mean, like, and then that's the thing is, like, my mom went to jail. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, my mom went to prison, um, you know, and she's very open about this. So it's not like I'm spreading my family dirty laundry. Like, she's very open about God's redemption plan for her mm-hmm. in that sense of she's not reformed. Neither of my parents are reformed. But um, they're Christians now? Y- yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. The Lord, like, changed their heart. Um, I will admit. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's been hard because like to evangelize to them, it wouldn't like when I became a Christian, uh, because, you know, they know all of what I've done in the past. They know like me, they, and plus I'm their son. They don't want to listen to me. I mean, like what, how can this, you know, 18 year old, 19 year old, like tell me how to be a Christian or whatever. Cause yeah. they grew up in a cultural Christian, but my mom is pretty, pretty open now about the fact she's like, Oh, I wasn't a Christian until I went to prison. Like God changed my heart because of prison. Wow. Um, and it's really cool to see that. Um, and just like her faithfulness to my dad eventually brought him to repentance. Um, and eventually both of them becoming Christians. Uh, my sister started uh, going to church with them and she eventually became a Christian because <clears throat> for a long time she was angry with God. She didn't like God. I mean, like we grew up in a hard home. Like we didn't, have parents we we had to rely on each other and so that fact you know god's just been so good to my family in that sense um i get to be a be very blessed and to say you know god's redeemed my family god's Mm -hmm. saved my family cleaned up my family um but i know that's not always the case yeah you know um but so so were you kind of the first one to get saved and then you were evangelizing to your parents uh kind of um it was me and my mom were probably like around the same time because i mean she had to sober up because she had courts coming and like all these different things like i think that at first god kind of like scared her in that sense you know it's like oh man like what have i been doing with my life and so probably around the same time me and my mom got uh saved but uh i would probably say her first Mm because she went to prison i think my eighth grade year my freshman year of high school maybe and I was like saved, I think at the end of my freshman year, or beginning of my sophomore year. Uh, so I think that's probably the time frame. It's yeah. been a long time. I don't think about it that often. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, that was yeah. around the same, around that time huh. frame. Yeah, it's just interesting to hear like the first generation Christian perspective, yeah. especially when it goes back into yeah. like getting their grandparents saved and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always an interesting yeah and th- and that's the thing is like i don't it's hard for me to say that i'm like one of the first because we had preach my grandpa yeah. had 16 brothers and sisters <laughs> so i probably so, not the first yeah, <laughs> generation but there was like sort of a general cultural yeah. christianity in your family yeah. but, but and you so, were kind of the first in your immediate family to like be legitimately yeah. saved wow yeah because like i mean that's even more powerful because so many <laughs> people can't get out of that so many people can't get out of the fact that you're like christian because yeah. you live in America or mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so few can like really see like the true gospel uh, through that lie that they live, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of what I was thinking of getting up here. Cause I was like, man, what are we, what is Nick and I going to talk about? You know, what, what's the topics that I want to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking like, man, just like the fact of cultural Christianity is such a big thing. Um, and, and I think it's losing even the Christianity part. It's just 
culture now at this point yeah. like i mean like what is a cultural christian what is like all these different things because some people would say like you're a cultural christian because you have tattoos and you know you listen to punk or whatever mm-hmm. in that sense of like there's those hardcore legalists will say oh that's a cultural christian but the fact that you believe in the doctrine of grace you hold to christ and all these different things you mm-hmm. know um what does that mean and so in the context for the town that i grew up in it just seems like this idea of we go to this town so we automatically are christian because we get to pray at football games yeah <laughs> and that, and that, yeah that's more what i think of yeah. i think of like people who just go to church on sunday because it's what yeah. the town does and mm-hmm. um you know people who say like oh i said a prayer when i was 12 so I'm yeah good. and that was me i mean yeah. i can't say much i i i had a moment where you know those guys that would tear phone books apart for Jesus. You guys, you know what I'm talking about? Like those guys came and I was like into wrestling, like freaking Jeff Hardy was like my hero at that point, which was kind of ironic that he ended up being such a drug addict. Uh (laughs) Um, And the fact was, is like, I was like, Oh, that's cool. And then they were like, if you come to the back, you know, uh, people will talk to you about Christ. And I just saw all my friends go. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to head out back there. And then I cried a little bit. And then that was about all I remember. Wow. Um, I, I don't want to burst your bubble, but um, <laughs> ripping phone books in half is really easy. To a eight, like an eight-year-old and seven-year-old, that's the coolest thing you can do. To to, I mean, I was probably <laughs> twenty when I became aware of how easy it was. <laughs> My friend Brendan showed me how to do it one day, and I was like, "Wow, this is lame." <laughs> yeah, it's like this is not impressive at all. Yeah, there's a way to like bend the pages so that they're all like in a triangle so that they're all weak. I want to say that he did it through the strength of God. Yeah, uh, he did so, it. Uh, it's true. Because he can do all things. Okay. The bubble remains. Yeah, We're yeah, not going to yeah. burst it today. Well, I'll and work on w- you a little bit. Yeah, and WWE is still real, so we all know that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so what town was this? Um, it's Washington, Oklahoma. Washington, Oklahoma. Super small town. Never heard of it. Yeah, you How won't. small? Like, I can't give you population. Like I don't know that off the top. Thousands? Down. Yeah, okay. I mean, we have a stop sign, no stoplights. Okay. We have one gas station, and then we have a cafe, um, and that's about it. Yeah? Yeah. Is it a 24-hour cafe? No, 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 no. See? No, it's like, <laughs> I don't even think it's I was going to guess there were good stories about that cafe if it was 24 hours. No, the guy that actually owns it, he discipled me. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? He, was, uh, he helped me a lot and actually introduced me to my like one of my favorite authors, like I can't say he's consistently my favorite author, but he wrote the book that changed my perspective on humility a lot. Um, Andrew Murray. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the beauty of holiness um, and wrote a book on humility. And so that, that guy that owned the cafe introduced me to that book and it changed my life. It changed my perspective on that aspect of it. I'm going to link to that book in the show notes. (laughs) And if you use my link, the death of death will get a little kickback at no cost to you <laughs> from christianbook.com. I was about to say smile Amazon. Is that what you're going for? No, I, uh, I didn't make enough money uh, oh. on Amazon. So they booted me off like three different times. I tried it a lot. Oh, so, you know. Yeah. I'm on christianbook.com. <laughs> They'll take anyone. Please yeah. support me. Yeah. And Liberty classroom <laughs> from Tom Woods. If you want to sign up for Liberty classroom, use the link on the website. Yeah. <laughs> So you uh, you get saved. How long is it before you're a Calvinist or reformed or whatever? Uh, it is takes it a, while? a while. Yeah, like probably yeah. about three or four years. I mean, that's not that long, but you got to remember I'm only 25. Like yeah. I haven't even really been alive that long. So, you know, I haven't been a Christian even 10 years at this point. Um, mm. So I became a Christian and I know I was a Christian. God changed my heart. But the fact was is that I just didn't, I didn't care and enough quote unquote and i don't want to use that term because i don't really know how to describe it like i just became hard to the things of god for a little bit you know as your london baptist confession of 1689 in the background um (laughs) uh it talks about how there's a time where god will have the light of his countenance leave a believer for a little bit and they may be in just sin for just a small period of time a larger period of time but eventually god will bring them back and that's what happened to me I was indulging in pornography every day. I thought that reading my Bible for about two minutes and, you know, not even really caring about what was in it, what it said about God, just actually doing the motion of reading it was enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of, I got into a relationship I shouldn't have been in, um, cause she wasn't a Christian. Um, 
classic and, yeah you know uh banjo dating <laughs> trust me no i did that's not the reason why at all um and so we ended up sleeping together and i remember just feeling the most convicted i've ever felt in my life like even from when i first became a christian I said that conviction right there was the most powerful conviction I would think I ever had in my life because of the fact that I just cried out and I said, God, why don't you just kill me? Like, I don't deserve to live. I'm blaspheming your name. Why did you save me? Why are you still dealing with me? Why do you even care about me? And in that moment, I understood grace and mercy. I understood the weight of that. Um, And it was amazing and like and it wasn't because of reformed theology at that point like the college pastor we had at the time like you and sam talked about in your last podcast i mean he was reformed but it wasn't that but after that moment is when i started diving into the word i cared about the word i wanted to go into the word because i realized that's where the only hope can be found because I mean, these are the words of everlasting life. Like where else can you go? Like I had nowhere else to go because clearly it wasn't in me that I could find the strength. It wasn't in me that I could find hope. And it was just in his word. And I wanted to just dive into it because I realized I I can't do anything else. Yeah. Um, and so after that is when I actually came into reform theology. It took a little bit. I hated it at first, did not like it. Um, I don't like being told that I can't do it. I don't like being told that, you know, God has predestined people before the foundation of the earth. That's, that's hard. Step one, you're helpless. Yeah. It's like, you're an idiot. Step, step two, two, see step one. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the thing. I did not like it, but I did a lot of research on it for about hard research for about three or four months. Cause my college pastor kept asking me questions that I could not answer. I was like, man, my biblical theology is not very good at this point, And I have no way to answer any of the questions that he has given me. Yeah. And, um, so eventually we had more conversations. Um, I was reading a lot more like outside of the Bible. I was reading like deeper theological works, trying to understand. And eventually it just kind of accepted it. It humbled me. And I think that's the biggest thing. It humbled me because I realized I'm not going to come to this conclusion by my own knowledge and power. I mean, like wisdom, as we talked about before, like not during this podcast, but the fact of like flows from the throne of God. I can't take pride in me ascending to God. Cause that's what I was trying to do was ascend to God in my knowledge saying, yeah, there's no way that, you know, God's going to be like this because my knowledge of him is too good like i'm too good i'm like my knowledge of myself came from me yeah. it wasn't a biblical worldview for it yeah. and then that was kind of the problem and reformed theology really turned that upside down and humbled my heart and was just like holy crap i'm an idiot i will always be an idiot yet i'm <laughs> saved by the grace of god and i can only know the things of god by his power um and that's really when reformed theology started to click and i just kind of dove into it yeah. But I was also a church history nerd because yeah. I'm a huge skeptic. <laughs> so Christianity at first seemed very dumb to me. Uh-huh. Um, and even when I was a Christian, I was always like, man, I don't even understand how we got to where we're at in Christian yeah. belief. Like, how did we get here? And I had to study church history yeah. and studying church history. You tend to go reformed because they have a lot of good yeah. confessions and yeah. a lot of great history. <laughs> the great tradition. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It, it, even even though I mean reformed as a title doesn't yeah. really come into play until the Protestant Reformation, yeah. obviously. <laughs> but um, they were kind of a faithful stream all the way from Augustine and even yeah. people before that. I mean, straight from the Bible. So I yeah. mean, there are uh, you know little uh, remnants of it throughout that fifteen hundred years, and then the Protestant Reformation comes and it's almost like gathering yeah. <laughs> all, all of that good doctrine together. And yeah, I mean, Paul was a reformed guy, you know that, right? It's true. Yeah. I mean, he was, <laughs> he was pretty reformed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think he was a pedo Baptist. No, no, no. He was, he was a good Baptist at heart. Everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except, except all the drinking. Definitely not a good Baptist yeah. that way. <laughs> um, 
Well, I offered, I offered Mason whiskey, but he didn't, he didn't want to drink it right now. Well, it's because I have a stimulant in yeah. my hands and a depressant together. Oh, what? Because it's three in the afternoon, <laughs> and now I've got a drinking <laughs> problem. <laughs> it's like Nick, you were drinking before I even got here. Oh, whatever. <laughs> oh, I thought this was America. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but I'm not against drinking. I'm pretty cool, guys. I'm that cool reform guy. That's what we're talking about. So. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, <coughs> no coughing. Shut up. <coughs> COVID. You act, <laughs> got the bid. <laughs> you act like this is your podcast. I this know. is my day. <laughs> Compose myself here. <laughs> um, yeah. So, was, when did you start seminary? Uh, I started seminary. Uh, when was that? 2019 beginning mm-hmm. of 2019 so you were just fresh out of college yeah, yeah i immediately went there i graduated semester early um just went down to texas to southwestern and uh just started my classes i i took like 14 hours my first semester so i could try to finish mm-hmm. a little earlier um and so i actually finished back in may so yeah how'd you end up out here was it online classes or yeah o- online classes okay. yeah was that uh, because of covid or were no you just i got married in yeah. january uh my me and my wife long distance the whole time during COVID. So that, like that was kind of fun because the fact was we couldn't really do much. So we just kind of hung out and like watch movies, watch a lot of TV together. All and, virtually? Yeah, no. She would come down to Texas. Oh, she came down to Texas. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it. we have freedom here. I know you're yeah. from California. You're not used to that kind of well, stuff. Well, no, you said long distance. So yeah. I was like. Well, long <laughs> distance, two and a half hours, you know, whatever. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So she came down to Texas, and then you guys moved back here when you got married? Yeah, she well, she would just come visit. She was still in school. She mm-hmm. She's actually finishing up at, in Ada, Oklahoma, East Central. Okay. Um, so, like, she uh, she would just come visit me on the weekends sometimes. I would come up there and go visit them. Because, I mean, all my friends were down in Ada, too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I then got married in January. Been married ever since, you know, that really long period of time. Nothing's wrong. We're a perfect marriage, and... Because I'm the greatest husband probably to it's ever true. live. I can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've seen it. Yeah, you've seen it. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah, that's the only reason why I came back up was because getting married and she had to finish school. She got a scholarship that paid for all of her school, so I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not gonna let you pass that up, yeah. and I'm not gonna let our marriage go into debt <laughs> for yeah. that reason. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, it's <laughs> a good place to start. Yeah, and it guarantees you a job after. So yeah. that also was another incentive. So, like, I can do this online. I'll just yeah. finish online. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, are you guys going to stay here? or? Uh, yeah, uh, I think for at least a while, um, I want to be a pastor. Like, that's where my heart is because of my testimony. I, I know that the only hope can be found in Christ. I know the only hope can be found in biblical theology and um so because of that i want to preach that to people because i care about them because i want them to understand that they're not alone in all the questions they have and all the struggles they have because more than likely i felt them and i've been low like whoever you know um and so i just want to help that person i want them to point to christ to glorify christ um because it's the only thing that we're supposed to do (laughs) Um, and the word of God is the only thing that can change hearts. Um, and that servant's heart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wish it was more consistent, but you know, (laughs) better than me. (laughs) It's like, I hate people. I do this. I I do this podcast just to (laughs) toot my own horn. I I do this podcast so I don't have to speak directly to people and I'm right here. (laughs) Yeah. And you can twirl your mustache and look cool. Yeah. (laughs) I gotta stop doing that. That's a really gross nervous. (laughs) So you want to be a pastor. So what are, what are your steps to doing that? Right now, uh, read stay, Bible, stay and put. For yeah, now. I'm just gonna live in my house, be a hermit, and then eventually the Lord's gonna open a door. Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> I don't have to do crap. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, they just give those jobs away. Yeah, so many what... people are pastors <laughs> who should not be pastors. Yeah, I mean that is true. Uh, <laughs> no, you'd be surprised what gets cut out. Oh. <laughs> you'd be very surprised. I was wondering why you know Sam said that podcast was three hours and then it was cut down to one. It it was probably 20 minutes longer than than the finished product. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Sometimes it's just useless information. And then sometimes I say something that I'm like, yeah, I really can't. (laughs) You'd be surprised because some people think that I I really am edgy on here. Yeah. (laughs) 
No, it's highly edited. <laughs> I'm just surprised we haven't said anything yet that's going to get cut. And then when I say that, it's probably yeah. going to have a big cut for about 15 minutes because you're just going to go off. <laughs> yeah, because you and I are definitely the ones with the, the worst filters. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh. because we went to public school. I didn't go to public school. Oh, my gosh. I was homeschooled 100% all the way. Your homeschool failed you then. You didn't. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I don't have a filter. Yeah, you don't have a filter. I've uh, only met homeschoolers that are like super nerdy, and I love yeah. it. And I love that about them. Yeah, and they're sheltered. You know, I used to be um, critical of it because you know they were so awkward. Like some of yeah. the ones I knew. Uh, but now as an adult, which it's weird to even think of myself yeah. like that, but it's like, I'm, I'm closer to 28 now than 27. So like, I'm a 28 year old man and I can look at homeschooled kids yeah. and I can say like, well, they're really confident. They're self-assured. They're not afraid of adults. <laughs> they know what they want to do with their lives. Like I can say a lot yeah. for them that I used to be, you know, pretty critical of. And, and it's like, yeah, maybe it doesn't matter that they're a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my wife was homeschooled, so, yeah. you know, and uh, her sister. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, she is nah, weird kidding. as crap. Nah, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, yeah. Hey, they turned out successful. I'll give them, yeah. like, their parents. Yeah. She's probably smarter than me, so. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I joked once. I never, I never brought it up to you again. Yeah. Uh, we kind of broached the topic last week with Sam about how there there is a show coming. Oh yeah, that's not fully being announced, but it involves the the three of us. Yeah, and that's, I think we can say that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I joked once that the show is just going to be Sam triggering Mason and his <laughs> autism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to have the psycho music playing in the background whenever he says something. It's just because he just loves to say things yeah. just to play devil's advocate. Yeah. And I don't think either of us respond well to that. It's like, how could you say that? <laughs> well, I don't know if you got all the way through. You didn't get all the way through last week's episode. You were listening to it today, but yeah. uh, he mentioned you. I did. I got to that part and my heart fluttered. Oh yeah. I was so I was like <laughs> Was it was it the intermediate state stuff? Uh or was it before that? I it was before that. Okay. Yeah. I didn't get to the Yeah. He mentioned uh <laughs> he mentioned that you might not believe in the intermediate state. Oh man, he's gonna and, throw me under the bus and like that. I'm I'm excited to <laughs> to talk about it because yeah. I I'm having the same wonders. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. What do you think? Uh, yeah, that's a, I've if you been, had to define a view. What, what's my view? view would be that like to them that pass away and go into the Lord, it's immediate for them. Like mm-hmm. to them, it is like instantaneous. Like when you wake up from sleep. Um, but for us, we're still stuck in a linear time. Like because I, the only reason why I go to this kind of view is because it seems like there's a certain day appointed for judgment of both the living and the dead. Like, so I have too many questions when it comes to an intermediate state. Like, are people going immediately to hell before the big judgment day if both living and dead are going to be judged at that time? Are they going to hell pre that judgment? Are we prejudged to go to heaven and hell? Are, like, where does that go? Because it, for me, there's just too many questions of, like, the second trumpet, you know? It seems like the day of judgment comes at one appointed time. Um, and because of those questions, I can't just definitively say there's an intermediate state. Yeah. I don't want to say soul sleep because that kind of has a different connotation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I said, got like the seventh day, Adventist yeah, like I don't, to it. I don't like that. But to me, I think the best thing is just like, I don't know how time works in the spirit realm. Mm-hmm. I think that's really where it comes down to. And I'll never know. And because of that, I tend to just go, I don't necessarily believe there's an intermediate state. Yeah. I do think to them, they're with the Lord right now, but it's because it's has to do with our present time and things. Yeah. I I think generally the same thing. Yeah. I don't know why people are so hung up on it. It's probably got some roots in dispensationalism where there's like three different judgments and (laughs) they all happen at different times. Well, I mean, it's a comfort, you know, to a lot of people. I mean, like the idea of like your loved ones being with the Lord right now, um, redemption, you know, like 
it, it, oh man they're just rotting in the yeah, grave yeah <laughs> and it's like like that's a really you know sweet thought and the problem is it's just like i don't really know where the scriptural aspect is brought into that conversation yeah. well it it's probably almost entirely on Paul's statement that to be away from the body is to be with yeah. the Lord. Yeah. But, um, that doesn't imply time. And yeah. I think that's where my argument lies. Now, didn't you have Jesus talking to the thief on the cross? Um, I mean, today. No, no, no. He said, I tell you today. That's what I go with because of the fact <laughs> of like. No, I have no idea if that's true or not. I, yeah. Well, that's the, the thing. The most natural reading to yeah. me is that he's saying you'll be in paradise yeah. today, but that doesn't negate yeah. any sort of time weirdness with eternity to me. So. Well, yeah, because like, I think that's the thing is like we're trying to understand an eternity aspect within a temporal time frame because, again, to us, it's linear we mm. have no connotation of what the spirit realm how it works it's just like we're trying to understand time in a place that we can't even fathom and understand mm -hmm. and again it, it to me it all comes from the day of judgment it all comes from the second trumpet it seems like there's a specific day for judgment yeah for um, the wicked and the righteous yeah for sure yeah and and so it because of that i just can't get behind a complete intermediate state yeah and also the fact of how creation works um you read psalm 139 we use that to you know say that life begins at conception and you knit me together my inward being so what what's the inward being and i believe that's the soul and the body i believe that they're so interconnected that one does not really exist without the other mm. so you see in genesis that he creates the body and he breathes life into it but it people think oh that means he's putting a soul in there but that's not necessarily what it is it's that god's breath is what keeps us alive we would not be alive without god's spirit giving us life yeah um and that's a consistent thing. So we're not consistently getting a soul, right? We wouldn't say that we're consistent getting souls. Um, but we would say he is the author of life. He brings people to life, but knits together a person which involves the soul. Because a body without a soul is just an empty shell. And a soul without a body isn't really a biblical concept yeah. per se. You know, it's not like there was a random soul floating around and God's like, okay, I'm going to put this in a body. Yeah. You know, it, it, there's this interconnectedness of soul and body to me. Or that they're not like naturally immortal. Yeah. Which we kind of yeah. talked about last week. Oh, uh -huh. there's so many things. <laughs> I mean, it, to make your point, Ecclesiastes says something. I want to say it's animals, but he might have said it about animals and yeah. people that uh, when they die, their breath goes back to God. Mm -hmm. um, so there is that idea that like God's sustaining life. And as soon as it's taken away, it yeah. goes back to him. And that might be where some of the confusion mm -hmm. comes from that. Like there has to be a soul with him now. Yeah. But I mean, I, I spent a good time, a good amount of time, I should say, um, questioning the reality of the soul as mm -hmm. well. Um, and it all, it's funny because all of these things, uh, Sam and I, the context was actually annihilationism. We oh, were talking yeah. about annihilationism. And you hell denier, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I would be so much more intense than yeah. your average, like, liberal universalist yeah. or whatever. Um, but uh, the intermediate state and the soul and stuff, this all connects because it all kind of has to work together. And uh, I, I, I'm pretty firmly against the idea of the intermediate state mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty solidly convinced that there there is no such yeah. thing uh but that we're not going to be like you know in darkness yeah like purgatory for, or something yeah, yeah like it's not that. like that i think we're just gonna close our eyes and wake up at the resurrection yeah and we're not gonna feel a passage of time um, yeah that's where i and and i think that's because i haven't sat down with someone that can answer my questions like yeah we there was a discussion board post in my master's class and i hate discussion board posts i think they're the most useless thing that yeah classes can do sometimes but <laughs> uh i agree and i'm not <laughs> even doing them yeah I'm watching people do them but i uh that was one of the topics was what about the intermediate state um and so i just posed those questions and it seemed like someone would always pick out some random part of my things that didn't even have to do with my question. And then they would do everything to answer that part. But it was like, that's not like any a straw man. Yeah. And it yeah. was just like, it wasn't like they were just trying to prove me wrong either. It yeah. was like, 
they thought they were genuinely helping, but the problem was, is like yeah. you ignored literally a whole paragraph of questions that I yeah. had that you didn't even try to answer. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's actually the problem with annihilationism, mm-hmm. is that there's like this monomaniacal focus on the traditionalist side where mm-hmm. we're addressing the fact that you can't be emotional about this. Yeah. That like just because you don't like hell doesn't mean hell doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, there's about 99 other good points on annihilationism that you don't even know about. Would mm-hmm. you like to like try to address those or yeah. and and like even the greats of like GK Beale and and Albert Moeller are like incapable of seeing the view for what it actually is mm-hmm. and like actually addressing it it has to be the straw men and i'm just wondering like where the heck that comes from and i think it's because you think you know what it is going in mm-hmm. and I, I mean i can't even tell you how many debates i've seen chris date do with yeah. uh, traditionalists where the traditionalist comes in with absolutely no preparation because they think i got dunk this. yeah yeah how am i gonna yeah i got daniel whatever in, yeah in isaiah man <laughs> revelation like okay yeah. i got this and that he just wipes the floor with them and he might not even be right yeah and that's the thing i'm not even a convinced annihilationist mm-hmm. i'm just able to see objectively like how the the views are not understanding each other and yeah well i think that completely happens. lost track of what i was saying and why <laughs> i was saying it oh because someone was yeah. straw manning you yeah and, and it's it's because that you just get this monomaniacal uh view of like what that person is saying and like what you're defending Mm -hmm. and then nothing else can come into the conversation besides that. Well, I mean like I see that a lot with uh, wretched radio. Todd Friel, I think does that a lot when he does his public kind of debates where he like literally just people on the street. Yeah. Um, Oh, I love those. Yeah. And and, like, (laughs) I like those, but sometimes it feels like that person asks a question, like a good genuine Uh question. And he just, kind of ignores their actual question yeah. and well answers. have you ever told a lie yeah yeah and it's like he he circumvents it and then the person's still like hey but you didn't answer my question he's like no i've answered it go away he's like i've shared the gospel with you like yeah. and, and it's like which, which to be fair is like his only point yeah and i mean like i get it like yeah i just think a lot of christians are afraid of the hard questions and the fact is is like we don't know some of the answers and i yeah. think that's the problem because you there is that mystery. That's that air of mystery that you have to take the paradoxes of scripture and just believe them. That's your only job. Sometimes you can, you know, uh, just kind of connect them. And like, I always say that there's, there's a difference between the explicit arguments of scripture and the implicit arguments that we make about scripture. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we take the implicit arguments for gospel truth. And then we realize, okay, that's a lot of philosophy that I'm doing a lot of logic, a lot of ration and uh, like, you know, rationality. And there's nothing wrong with that. God's gave us that thing. Um, He's gave those gifts to us, but sometimes we have to humbly accept like, Hey, I cannot just give you a plain answer on some of these things. Yeah. And if you, can take time and listen to those questions answer their actual questions like if you can do one thing like if you hear one thing what i'm saying just answer the questions don't ignore them don't say you're going to cause strife by answering these you know asking these questions like just answer them yeah as best as your ability because like that's me i have the ridiculously stupid questions sometimes that i would ask my wife and be like you ever thought about is it sinful for us to go to space and she was like why the heck would you even ask that? Because I was like, well, well, I never thought about yeah. it. <laughs> well, because I was like, you know, in Genesis, he if we say the creation ordinance is to, you know, tear, care for the earth and tend to the earth, mm-hmm. wouldn't us be leaving that be a form of rebellion? And she was like, how did you even get to that kind of thinking? And I'm like, I don't know. My brain does that. <laughs> That's insane. I've never even heard someone posit that (laughs) and again it is completely useless speculation well not (laughs) i mean that's coming yeah if if you i mean i I just heard elon musk on joe rogan's podcast and like (laughs) he he believes in five years we'll be traveling to and from mars like pretty regularly so like that's that's coming faster than we ever believed and i think that's what it was is like one of his first interviews with joe rogan that i was just like oh my gosh what do i do with this question (laughs) it's wild like dude that guy being who he is uh, in the most recent one, Joe Rogan was trying to convince him of aliens and he literally just looked him in the face and he's like, if there was such thing as aliens, I would know. 
and it's like yeah he's probably right yeah. like he is a billionaire who's handling space yeah <laughs> like yeah, yeah he probably would know he's about to, he's <laughs> trying to put the entire population of the earth on space yeah yeah <laughs> It's just crazy that yeah. one guy can can be such an insider that way without even being really part of the government. Yeah, in a internal sense. Oh, is your libertarian coming out? Am I going to have to? <laughs> yeah, here's the deal. <laughs> I think I've talked about that yeah. enough on the show. Um, are you a libertarian? I lean there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm more of a, a state. Leaner, huh? and, yeah, state and local government. Yeah. I'm not a big fan yeah. of federal <laughs> government. But <laughs> am I going to say that I am hard set on my political beliefs? No, I. I honestly think I too tend to lead like a classical liberal. Like, yeah. But that they more libertarian. Yeah. Probably, I'm more yeah. of a centrist and. Yeah some things <laughs> well i'm an anarchist yeah so. i know that your caps lock as because i can't say that word that was the best i could get anarcho <laughs> <laughs> oh donnie darko is a great donnie movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it's just uh it's such an extreme view it's just it's funny to me <laughs> yeah <laughs> without really being at all yeah it's like now nah, i just want to do what works yeah <laughs> Yeah, you're a pragmatist at heart. Yeah. <laughs> that opens a whole other yeah, can of worms. Yeah, how does pragmatism work in Christianity? <laughs> there's a there's a whole strife in the Libertarian Party between different caucuses. Yeah. And there's the Mises caucus and the pragmatist caucus and the radical caucus and, and all that. So even just using the word pragmatist like puts you in yeah. this weird box that you don't <laughs> need to be in. And, uh there's nothing more unpragmatist than doing what you know doesn't work, though. So I feel like I am the true pragmatist. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's probably all going to get cut out. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Is it, my laugh's going to sound like a little water sprinkler anyways. It's like, you're going to listen to it like, what the hell is that? It's better than the villainous laugh that I had. So what do you, I mean have you gotten into these conversations about like the intermediate state and the soul and all that, or, or is I'd, it something you kind of avoid? Cause I, I definitely have avoided it over the years and, and it's really only yeah. since the last couple episodes that it's kept coming up like yeah. three weeks in a row right now. So maybe yeah. if Nick Quint's listening, he should come <laughs> on and finally talk about what he wants to talk about. Cause I always have him talk about things he yeah. doesn't want to talk about. <laughs> so come on the show and we'll talk about hell finally. Yeah. Um, that's the, I never seek them out because, I mean, people get mad. Yeah. I mean, like, you say, I don't really know about the intermediate state, and people immediately get mad because... My grandma's looking down on me right now. And, like, that's the thing. It is so emotionally based. And and I don't think that's anything wrong with it. I mean, like, because you cared about that person. Like, they died, and you're, you're wanting them to be with the Lord, especially if they were a Christian. You're like, want them to be with the Lord right now. Of course, that makes sense. Yeah. Um... I just, it only came up in our Sunday school recently. Like this last Sunday school that were, where you weren't there, because I'm going to throw shade that you weren't there. I'm never at Sunday school. Yeah, but you were there once. <laughs> I went. <Just> once. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, they kind of mentioned it, and I love, uh, I love our Sunday school teacher. Uh, but the fact he's is, right. he's <laughs> all right. He's fine. I can't uh, stop. <laughs> I can't stop being mean. <laughs> but uh, he, guy. he started. Uh, kind of pushing the idea like, oh, the, they people use this verse to deny the intermediate state and kind of was going into that. And I was like, oh, hold on. There's there's some legitimate questions that. Yeah. Do you remember what verse that was? Uh, First Thessalonians 4. Uh, yeah, you know, like yeah. when the Lord will take up Let's the, look it up. the living and the dead. Keep on going. Oh, well, I mean, I don't remember the rest of the verse. I can't. But like, no, I'm not start... telling you to. Oh, say yeah, the I was first like, uh, you know, he put me on the spotlight. <laughs> that I start sweating. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, there's just legitimate. Yeah. I mean, these these controversies don't exist for no reason. Like, no matter what you think, like the controversy, if you want to call it that, yeah. of like biblical inerrancy exists for a reason even if one side is totally wrong yeah (laughs) it's like and that was and that's another thing too like people make really hard stances on it and i'm not willing to like plant my flag in the ground and say like you are in error of you believe in the intermediate state Mm -hmm. i don't really hold to that view but i don't think you're like in error because i just truthfully don't 
No. And I think that's yeah. where it comes down to. It's the fact that I can't give you a flat out answer from scripture that I tend to lead to the one that, you know, yeah, it, that makes more sense with the questions that I asked. Yeah. That's know? actually what I've been saying on the show is that, um, my, my biggest struggle with, soul sleep or annihilationism or all of the really testy ones yeah. like my biggest problem is that the majority of church history hasn't believed it yeah so i have to believe that the holy spirit has misled some mm-hmm. people in their interpretation or that they've been sort of tuned out of the spirit for yeah. their interpretations and that i'm unwilling to say so mm-hmm. i think gun to my head i'd probably just say intermediate state <laughs> yeah. i'd probably just say a traditional view of hell but um I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And there I, have been people throughout church history, but not really that many on our side. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. And it's, uh, we're probably in a very minor, yeah. minority view, but yeah. I mean, we I got just, John Stott. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, that's the thing. It's just like, I just don't know. Um, and, and it's not a topic that's talked about a lot because I feel like it's always implied. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's understood like this is the usual view. So why should we even talk about this certain thing? Yeah, Um, it's true. I don't want to not be orthodox. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd rather believe something wrong. Yeah. (laughs) 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 To an extent. Yeah. And it's just like, I just, I don't know. Um, I want to be part of the club that teaches the proper view mm -hmm. of predestination and justification by faith and the nature of scripture and the Trinity. Like I want to be part of that. So if they're wrong about the intermediate state, which is a relatively small issue, then I'm fine with that. I still want to be part of the club. Yeah. And that's probably wrong of me. That's probably not a good thing. No, you know, (laughs) it's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, we could always talk about how inconsistent Reformed theology sometimes in their monergism of saying, like, you know, you're saved completely by God, but sometimes we don't always preach that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take me there. Um, I think that's been one I of my... I feel like you have an, a specific example. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to bring up any specific... Actually, I can't. Uh, one is part of my kind of like little testimony that there was a time in my Christian walk for about three or four days that I legitimately just felt numb. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it. It came out of nowhere, um, and I just felt nothing. And it was scary to a certain extent. Like, looking back on it now, I was, like, super scared in that sense of, I just don't know what happened. Um, but I went to uh, a brother in Christ that I, I really trusted, and all he told me was the read my Bible more, pray more, serve more, and, like, these things. But it, at the time, I was... So this was like a punishment. Not even that. Like he wasn't saying it was a punishment, but he was like saying, get out of this. Yeah. Like, like clearly this is your fault at, to a certain extent, because if you were, and I think what it comes down to is the fact that reformed people really say, if you were truly reading your Bible, if you were truly praying, then you wouldn't be feeling this way. Just faking it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so that was there like you little blasphemer. What are you doing? (laughs) Um, And so, like, at the time, I was actually doing a college Bible study. I started a nursing home ministry with my friends. We were going and visiting every single week, um, getting to speak with them, getting to, like, teach them the Word of God. We were, um, I was reading my Bible every day. I was praying every day. And it was just, like, all of a sudden, just felt numb. And then I'm being told that clearly I'm not doing those things in a right manner or I'm not doing them well enough. And it's, like... I, I just walked away just feeling like more hopeless. Cause I was like, well, if it's up to me, I, I don't know how to yeah. get myself out of here. Um, and they're like, and this brother's a hardcore reformed five point Calvinist, like scriptural. I think like he is a godly brother, but that's just what was his answer. He's just repeating what he's been told from other yeah. people. And yeah. I mean like, and that, I think <laughs> it's not that's his fault. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the inconsistency of, the reformed theology sometimes is the fact that like, we're like, it's clearly God that saves by grace and faith alone, but we're afraid of antinomianism so much Mm -hmm. that we go to the other side. I was talking to my brother-in-law about this. Like he's like, people are so afraid of grace that they give law that like, that's their immediate response is like, okay, we can't let them do nothing. We can't let them be idle. So we're going to just go to the other side. (laughs) completely fall into the other ditch of legalism in that sense of just saying, well, yeah, if you just did,
did more, you'd be fine. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, could, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of my biggest pet peeves with Reformed theology um, sometimes is that it's very inconsistent in preaching their mm-hmm. monergism. So what do you do? I mean, like, what would you tell? I mean, because this was yeah. almost like a dissociative state. Yeah, and and what scared me was because my dad and my sister both struggle with bipolar depression. Yeah, like they both have medication that they have to take. Or so I was like thinking, oh no, like Like this is the first sign. Yeah, like this is yeah, Yeah. like I even went to the school counselor Uh because I was scared. Um, so I was like, oh no. But the the thing was, I think what I needed was just the gospel, not in the sense of like so it can perk me up, but just to be reminded, like even in the midst of like this thing. Point me towards Christ. You're pointing me inward. You're telling me yeah. do more. Do look inward and you'll be fine. And the problem was I was looking inward and I was realizing there's nothing here and I don't know what to do about it. I yeah. can't feel anything and I can't get out of this feeling. Um, point me to the objective reality of Christ. Yeah. Po- point me towards the one who's outside of myself who secures me. So what do you mean by that? Like how does someone point you to Jesus. I mean, it really is just the simplicity of preaching the gospel, reassuring that person of their salvation. I mean, we think it's so complicated because of the fact that it's like, well, look at your fruits. But what if there's a time and period where I'm struggling with sin and my fruits don't look great? Like, I can't look at my fruits. Like, it it all comes from Christ. Faith is one of the best fruits you can have, right? I mean, that's where all the other fruits reside. That's where the root is, is in faith. And if you don't have faith, then everything else falls apart. Everything else is poison. It's a fruit that's poison in it that looks pretty good, you know. Um, and the truth is, is it's like, point me back to who he is. Like the object of yeah. your faith. Yeah, just yeah. don't preach me law. Preach me gospel. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the hardest distinctions people struggle with today. Especially with, you know, culture nowadays, it's like, well, we just want them to act right. Quit acting stupid. Like, quit yeah. going into your sinful desires. And it's like, yeah. preach gospel then. Quit just telling them they're wrong and that they're <laughs> destined for hell. Yeah. Preach gospel. <laughs> yeah, sir. I mean, when it comes to young people, it's like I was in a youth group that had a lot of legalism. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, I don't know if any of the kids got out of there saved. Yeah. Like, it, it was just... A social group with rules that you were incapable of following mm-hmm. so like what do you think the result of that was <laughs> it was just they eventually left and mm-hmm. went on with their lives to do something else that would fulfill them you know since yeah. christianity didn't you know didn't do it for yeah. them and, and yeah. i think that's the, the detriment thing. yeah and, and i think that's why we need to be able to properly preach law and gospel um and that's hard yeah. i mean you have the fear. I mean, like people are so afraid of the question. Are you saying that I don't have to do anything for my salvation? And you're like, yeah, you don't, you really don't. You believe. And that's a gift of God. Yeah. Like, but, but even that belief has its object somewhere else yeah. besides you. So even that's yeah. not really, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's the thing is like, they're so scared of that answer. Yeah. And the crazy thing is that Paul was questioned like that. Like they were like, yeah. Oh, so you're saying we can do whatever we want. We can sin and however we want. And God's going to forgive us. He's like, no, of course not. But clearly Paul was preaching the gospel. And that's the questions that come from, because they think it has to do with them somehow. Like we immediately bring it back to us. And what can we do for Christ? What, what is, how are we going to get to Christ through that? Yeah. And that's not, the gospel is that Christ did it for you. He came to you. He yeah. came down in flesh, descended to our level and saved you and redeemed you and adopted you by his blood. Like that's, there's nothing else that should satisfy you. And if you look inward to yourself, you're ignoring Christ. You're robbing glory that Christ deserves because there is nothing that you do apart from him. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you abide in him in faith not in emotions, not in your scripture readings, not in all these things that that doesn't keep you abiding in him. It's faith that he has given you supernaturally because it went above your logic and reasoning and brought you into the fold. I mean, that's what I needed. I needed to get out of this emotional state. I needed or lack of emotional state and look to the objective reality of Christ. Cause I think believers are in need in that sentiment more than 
we like to talk about. Yeah. Because go ahead. Well, I mean, I just had this thought that it's, it's almost two completely different questions. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're trying to say that there's no action you can do that will achieve your salvation. And then the other side is saying like, Oh, so there's nothing that I can do to lose my salvation. It's like, well, probably, but like, yeah, (laughs) it's two separate, you know, we're talking about the, the salvation part Mm -hmm. and they're talking about like the living and like, what do we do now in light of the gospel? And, Mm -hmm. and it's two separate things. Yeah. I mean, I talked about Christian apathy with my brother-in-law this last weekend. Um, just kind of the fact that like, I truly don't believe that even your Christian faith is dependent upon your feelings. Like, I mean, in that sense of it is your object of faith that has secured you. It is your, like your feelings about that object don't really matter sometimes. Like, let's be honest because you love your wife, right? You serve her in best way possible. Sometimes emotionally you're annoyed with her or she's annoyed with you. Like, and I, and it's the latter, yeah, the yeah. <laughs> you're like, she's too perfect. I would never get annoyed <laughs> with her. Um, and that's the thing is just like, I don't always emotionally love my wife in the way. Um, I, I like, I get annoyed with her. She gets yeah. annoyed with me. We get angry at each other, but I'm still called to love her and serve her in that manner. And it's the same with the, with the Lord. I may not like what he's doing. I may not even understand what he's doing and I may be irritated, but he is still worthy of my service regardless of my emotional state because he is my object that I believe in. That doesn't mean I always emotionally love him, but I will always serve him at least attempt to serve him the best of my abilities. Even when I think this is stupid and you're just screwing me over God, you know, like it, sometimes it feels like that. You feel like God's just kind of like slapping you (laughs) with the hand of Providence the whole time. You're just like, bam, like get out of here, you idiot. You're just like, that's how it feels. But the fact is even in those times, he is still your object of faith. You still clearly are going to him or you wouldn't be angry, angrily going to church saying, okay, I'm going to church because I know that this is what I'm supposed to do, Lord, because Mm -hmm. I love you. Yeah. But I don't like you right now, you know, because love is not an emotion. I, I've always said that love is an act of service to me. Like love is service because the Lord commands your whole being to serve him, your whole body, everything. And it's not just emotional. That's where we get hung up on is that if your emotions aren't right with God, clearly your Christian walk is just completely not. You're not truly reading your word. You're not truly yeah. praying in that way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you're not really praying yeah yeah <laughs> it, i would say if you hear the words truly before <laughs> prayer or truly before reading your bible or really or any of those things they're giving you clearly a limit that you should be passing yeah. but they don't define that limit so it keeps you in this limbo of never knowing exactly where you stand at it's like classic cult stuff yeah yeah there is a it's so funny that you say that because there was actually someone from my old church that posted something exactly like that and it was oh, really? like we pray two hours a day or whatever, <laughs> but are we really praying? <laughs> and then my pastor at the time had come out of that church and started his own church plant. And uh, I just remember him reading that and he's just like, what the hell does really praying yeah. mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, do you truly mean it? It's like, what yeah. does that mean? You're not <laughs> defining anything. Stop with the buzzwords. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's the thing. <laughs> Quick interrupting me with your got the vid (laughs) (laughs) there's uh there's this doug stanhope uh stand-up bit where he talks about uh the 12-step programs Mm -hmm. and he's just like it it really just means nothing because like they they okay we're gonna get them involved in a program he's like okay what do you do in the program well we get them into meetings all right what do you do with the meetings and he's like (laughs) finally he's like quit with the buzzwords (laughs) and tell me what the cure to addiction is I mean, like, and that's the thing is, like, we do, and we don't mean to. I mean, like, I don't think pastors, like, go up there and tend to preach that, you know? Like, I don't think they're doing that on purpose, especially some of the ones that have done it that I know love and care for the the Lord and care for their flock and care about them. But that's just what happens because that's what a lot of them been taught most of their lives. It's just that it... And I, like I said, it's just inconsistent monergism, yeah. you know? I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to is like, 
clearly your beginning salvation is great. So, but if there's any faults or anything, like it's your fault and you're just doing something wrong. And it's like, what if you're doing everything you can right? Like Job, you're literally doing everything right yet times fall on and your heart becomes hardened and you know, you're just in a bad emotional state. Is that, you know, your fault? Is that because clearly you just weren't, doing your sacrifices yeah. enough, right you know your christian you disciplines really sacrificing yeah. those animals? that's probably what they said to him <laughs> in the message version yeah. were you really sacrificing yeah. <laughs> were you truly sacrificing I, I think the reality is that uh, the gospel just doesn't play by the same rules that any other structure in our lives do yeah. you know our work is dependent on our work and our marriage is dependent on acting the right yeah. way and <laughs> loving correctly <laughs> and forcing yourself to love and yeah. like your, you know, everything is dependent on something else, you know, some action of yours and, and the gospel doesn't play by those rules. So it's really hard to just understand yeah. how it works. Or and I like, think it's, and it's hard when the Bible also commands us to do things. Like, yeah. I mean, I think that's where the, the whole struggle comes with, cause it does command you to do things and it, but it also says, I will fulfill those promises. I will yeah. fulfill those commandments through you. Like in the sense of, I prepared the works beforehand. You know, Ephesians two ten. Though sometimes we get stuck on eight and nine, but he even says, "I prepared works for you to walk in beforehand." Yeah. So you're not gonna have to worry about your works because I'm going to work through you, and you are going to walk in these ones that are already set up. Like, and it's not your strength that you walk, and it's not by your spirit that you walk or anything. I will help you walk through those things. Yeah. Um, and because I will walk. we're created in him. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think that's just the thing, but it's that fear of grace. It's that fear of, you know, they're, we're going to leave our church idol if we just harp on grace. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, there's sort of truth to that. But when you have a solid church that cares about the word of God and stuff, like you should just be reassuring them of the gospel because they're being beat down every day by everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're being beat down by either work, your social life, your mental health or whatever. Like you're constantly the culture, everything. Like I just need to be reassured every week of the gospel. That's what we covenant together for. That's what we go to church for. That's why we go sing songs and worship. It's because that's the only thing that's united us. And it's the only thing that reassures me to go through day to day. You know, we just think that he's something that we get to plug into that it's going to like power me up for the rest of the day. And, yeah. you know, that, but no, it's like legitimately the only thing that can get you through the day because it's the gospel. What else will any, your marriage is not going to get you through the day because you're probably going to screw up loving her and like you're going to do something stupid or she's going to do something stupid or everyone else around you is going to do something stupid. So you do something stupid. And like, and that's the thing. You can't be reassured by anything else other than the gospel. So please reassure me with the gospel when I'm struggling. Reassure me that I am with God, that Christ is with me, not because of my actions, but because of what he did. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's just, ah, oh, that's my biggest pet peeve. And I think that's because I listened to Theocast, um, another podcast <laughs> that you used to... Uh, in your promotional video oh, where, yeah where you said oh there it, was was no, one of the, it was yeah. one of the ones i was it was deleting. the very last one yeah i've never listened to it that's yeah. why no no actual shade on them <laughs> yeah. no that they, they actually helped me a lot in that aspect of realizing the objective reality of a believer mm-hmm. and it just it has changed a lot and that's it's changed the way i preach and it's changed the way that i've taught things to people and just tried to help people with Mm -hmm. is to look at the objective reality not through your subjective lens just look at what the gospel is don't ignore your feelings about that but look at who he is yeah but i again i'm not consistent with that either yeah (laughs) it's almost impossible yeah but then again would it be relying on your consistency yeah to get that right yeah it's like you just get into this circular the whole thing that you're just like constantly doing it, but that's the point. Yeah. You're an idiot. (laughs) Exactly. That's the beautiful truth of the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, you're an idiot. (laughs) Hosea, you're an adulterous whore. (laughs) You hear that? (laughs) You whores. (laughs) I mean, that's what it is though. Yeah. People read Hosea. They're like, it's such a beautiful story about how God loves his church. It's like, you know who you are in that story, right? 
You're Tom. Gomer. You're the whore. You're the whore. <laughs> <laughs> like you're his bride. That is a conscious. You hear that, Nana? <laughs> 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 you're a whore. <laughs> I'm just gonna there get to the is. pulpit one day. Just there like you're is. a whore. I was wondering when we were gonna get really edgy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, yeah. you know, it's just, it's biblical. It's true. It's true. It's a biblical analogy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, we've been going over an hour, so oh, okay. anything else you want to say? Anything? I got nothing. No? I mean, we talked about a lot of stuff. We I know. talked about the controversies. <laughs> we talked about, uh, you know, how everyone gets the gospel wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and how we're the only ones that do it right, so subscribe to the podcast. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> give to the podcast, yes, too. You should go get, to Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Buy t-shirts. Yeah. Do you have t-shirts? I do. I do. Buy There's t-shirts. a lot of un- unpurchased uh, t-shirts online, so... <laughs> definitely go buy one um, shop hobby lobby yeah <laughs> no, i'm kidding don't do that <laughs> all right well thank you for being yeah. on the podcast thank, well, thank you, you for you bearing your soul yeah. for over an hour and, and being in my house and yeah you want me out don't you yeah get the hell out <laughs> all right <laughs> thanks for listening everybody